Hello, and welcome to A Closer Look. I'm Tara Metal, Digital Content Manager at the Harvard Art Museums. I'm Michael Rika, the Administrative Coordinator in the Director's Office at the Harvard Art Museums. This season, we're exploring museum jobs, why we wanted them, how we got them, and what they're really like. Through a series of conversations with our colleagues, we'll seek to demystify the museum world, discuss some surprising career paths, and explore jobs you might not have considered. In this week's episode, I spoke to Angela Chang, conservator of objects and sculpture and the head of the Objects Lab. Angela is also the assistant director of our Strauss Center for Conservation and Technical Studies. If you worked in another department, what would it be? I would have to say communications. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I do have to say, I, I say that slightly uh, because because that's your department but but I, I I have over the years I, I was affiliated with with communications for a number of years where I filled in uh, in a number of different uh, capacities I I was the copyright person for a period of time I provided support that for, to the department so I've worked with your crew a great deal you know I've always been interested in what the collections people have to do I've always been interested in the visitor services folks and I, I think there'd be a lot of places that I, I enjoy working. What about you? If you had to choose another another department at the museums, where would that be? Magically, if I had the training, I would move to conservation in a second. Yeah. Really interested in their work. And there was a time when I wanted to go back to school and become a conservator but I just got so scared away by the science requirements. And, you know, I don't have a background in chemistry. I have a bit of a background in, you know, making art. And so I felt like, okay, I have the art history. I have the art. I don't have the science. Can I kind of fill in these gaps? And when you do that, you know, sort of in your post-college years, you have to just take a lot of science classes on your own time. And it felt really overwhelming to me. But I just like, I, I sometimes wish I could just work in the, like do my current job, but in the labs and only document their work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to say it's fascinating work. And when people hear about it and learn about it, um, people are fascinated and astounded and can't believe that that's that what's that's what goes on up on the fifth floor. Yeah, I remember sitting through a, a talk, and it was about the whole thing was about a particular material, and I can't remember what it was. I want to say some kind of glue, and I could not believe that how how enthralled I was about this material. I don't have a chemistry background, and and it was just it is just fascinating what they do, and I have to say. There are many reasons why I'm not a conservator and nobody wants me anywhere near a piece of art. But I also don't have the nerve. I don't know how you can work to restore something so beautiful, so valuable and important. And just what, how, what they contribute to um, the knowledge of, of art. Yeah, it's, it's really remarkable. Intimidating. The idea of your own hand, you know, permanently altering something. But of course, they have a lot of impermanent solutions, which is interesting in its own right. But yeah, I, I was really lucky to get to study abroad in Rome in college. And um, I took... Wow. <laughs> I took a conservation class and in one of our first classes we got to climb 
up scaffolding in, you know, a church in the old center and like watch conservators lie on their backs like Michelangelo and touch up these frescoes on the ceiling. And I was like, people get to do this in real life? Yeah. It's crazy. And, and that they're willing, that they have the nerve yeah. and they have the ability to do it is, is remarkable. It really is, it really is amazing. My name is Angela Chang. I'm Assistant Director of the Strauss Center for Conservation and Technical Studies. I'm also Objects Conservator and Head of the Objects Lab. So, Angela, how long have you worked at the Harvard Art Museums? I've worked here for almost 18 years. Really? Yep. I didn't know that. <laughs> yep. Don't look too closely. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I was sort of here before, during, and after the building project. And I started off on a one-year contract that got extended, and my projects changed, and then I got involved in the building project. And that was already a long time ago now. Wow. So your job has probably changed pretty radically over that time. Yes, I started off as a project conservator. Um, our lab used to do some outside projects, and so we were involved in the conservation of the John Singer Sargent murals at the Boston Public Library, which was a more than a year-long project. So I was hired for that, which is very specific and specialized. That's pretty amazing. I feel like those are so high profile. Did it feel intimidating at the time? I think I didn't realize how high profile it was. I was a worker bee on the team. I wasn't the face of it in any way, so I just felt lucky to have a job and an exciting one. It is really different from what I do now. I was hauling water across town and climbing scaffolding every day. And you don't it, still it have really to climb different. scaffolding? No, once in a while I do, so I'm very good at that. <laughs> I, do, I do like haul things and vacuum and stuff. It was really different. It was very focused and very big project oriented, which is exciting and gratifying. I'm curious, did you want to be in the art world when you were growing up? Did you always think that you would work in a museum? I didn't. I grew up in the Midwest in a large town that you know didn't have an art museum. I enjoyed making art and my parents were not very encouraging of pursuing that as a career. Later, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. My dad was a doctor. So I, I learned about art and art history in college through classes and traveling. And it made me switch from being a struggling biology pre-med major to art history, which I didn't have a purpose for, but I enjoyed it. I found it much later in life, you know, thinking about art as a career. Did that switch of major feel scary at the time? It did because there was no purpose for it then. It didn't seem very practical, <laughs> but it was a big relief. Because as I said, I felt like I was taking these science classes that I worked very hard for and it wasn't paying off. It was really challenging and it didn't seem right. And so it was it felt much better to be working with art, looking at art. And I don't know if easier meant it was like the right thing or not, but easier for me anyway. Yeah, I used to think about that a lot. I was an art history major and my parents joked during and after college to me and in front of other people all the time that I was of course gonna be a lawyer because what am I gonna do with an art history major? So they would say like, oh, well being an art history major is a lot like being a history major, right? And a lot of history majors go to law school. So that's what you'll do. <laughs> It's a perfectly linear. Yeah. <laughs> line of, it's a perfect line of thinking. Yeah, exactly. Right.
So you graduated as an art history major? I did, yes. Okay, and what happened after college? I found a museum studies uh, internship. It was a academic year-long thing at the Smithsonian, and we got to learn about working in an art museum, all the different departments. I was lucky to learn about conservation there, and I had the chance to do hands-on work with a conservator. So that really piqued my interest because I liked the tactile aspect of it, and I liked, you know, being able to touch and hold things and make things and solve problems. So I, I got some other jobs, small jobs, doing conservation projects. I learned about conservation graduate school and what it required. So I took um, some more classes, mostly in studio art at that time, because I didn't have that from college. And then I applied to graduate school. That's it. <laughs> it sounds really simple, but it's, it's, it's easy to tell the story now. But at the time, it, was, it took some figuring out. I'm sure. Did you know anyone else in the field or who was thinking about becoming a conservator? Not anybody else pursuing it, really, um, just working conservators. And I think like a lot of people trying to find their way, there was a, you know, a mentor, somebody willing to let me learn about things and give me her time and patience to learn about the field and to be honest about how it can be difficult, how it can be, how it's very specialized, how it's great, but, you know, it's hard to find a job in the arts and, and the kind of road it is to pursue this profession, sort of through graduate school, through internships and fellowships and moving and living in places where um, there's a museum large enough to have a conservation department. Right. So when you were entering grad school, did you feel at all like you had a leg up because of your science background at all? Um, well, as I was saying, it wasn't a strong science background. <laughs> but in a way, I did because a lot of those classes that I took as an undergrad in chemistry, um, in physics, those were prerequisites for conservation school. So I didn't have to take them later. So I actually put those to good use. But some people come into conservation from chemistry. Some people come into it from art history. Some people come to it from studio art. So everybody has their own kinds of leg up, depending on their own experience. Can you tell me a little bit about conservation school, how long that lasts, what it's like, what it entails? Yes. Conservation school is a graduate program. There are just a few in the United States, and each program accepts a pretty small handful of students every year. So it's very competitive to get in. The programs really want to be sure people are committed to the field in a certain way. They support you through it. It's very nurturing. They are generally three-year programs, two years of coursework, uh, summer internships in between, and then a third-year internship, um, which gives you a lot of hands-on experience and rounds out school training and also lets you pursue areas of more specialized interest. I did my third year internship at the Brooklyn Museum, which was great to live in New York and get to know the cultural places there um, and to work with a collection that had everything and to work with people who were you know, really generous teachers and who really respected the interns and fellows they had and incorporated them as part of their team. So those kinds of intangible things, I think, are part of the training that are really important. In my program, everybody starts off the same, and we get to learn a little something about every specialty. So whether or not you're going to become a paintings conservator, you learn about paper, and you learn about books and photographs and metals and ceramics, um, which I think is uh, a very healthy way to go about it so that everybody has a broad understanding and vocabulary for, for preservation. And it also diversifies your training so that 
if you work someplace where suddenly you're in charge of something that you know nothing about, you have a pretty strong starting point, which has been the case for me. <laughs> you work in the objects lab in the Strauss. Yes. Uh, was that always your interest? It was. I liked, my specialty is three-dimensional objects, which for our institution is the broadest specialty. Um, I like to say, but we work with everything that's not a painting and not a work on paper, but it includes painted things and things with paper. So I, I do like it because of the variety. Uh, we reach all cultures and time periods and curatorial departments in the museum. There's a wide range of materials, and then there are composite objects, which combine all these materials. So that really keeps it interesting for me. And we are always, we're always learning. I, I love that part of it. Yeah, as a coworker, it's always fun and sometimes funny, I think, to walk into the objects lab and see like, and something from ancient Greece in another and a contemporary work in the back and like Tony working on <laughs> a little figurine and a million pieces. <laughs> flower. Yeah. It is a wide array. It is. We have things in the lab sometimes that are thousands of years old to made last year. That includes, yeah, your stone things, your wood things, and then your rose petals and your plastic things and unknowns and combinations too. After grad school, what was your next step? I did a postgraduate fellowship at the National Gallery of Art. This is common for um, conservation students or recent graduates of conservation programs to do postgraduate training. I had a three-year position at the National Gallery and it involved, you know, being part of the conservation team and doing research, kind of learning on the job. And so again, that gave me a chance to live in another major museum center to learn how another institution works really differently, one that's part of the government, um, one that has throngs of tourists coming in. It, it was exciting in that way. I'm sure. Um, and then and then after that, I applied for my one-year job at the Harp at then the Harvard University Art Museums. So I'd love to hear more about that one-year position and how it became an 18-year position. Well, that was a lot of luck. I mean, truth be told, I had applied for a postgraduate fellowship at the Strauss Center before, you know, out of graduate school, and I didn't get it. But I did visit and interview, and I thought, this is a place I would love to be. I like the people, I like the university setting, I like the museum. And so I was trying to move to the Boston area for other reasons, and I had one year left in my fellowship, and then I, or I was applying for this one-year job. So it seemed like I had nothing to lose. And the, the project was really interesting. I was going to be the only objects conservator among paintings conservators for this mural project. So I loved the opportunity to learn about paintings, um, spe specific kind of painting that was enormous, you know, many room sized, um, and an artist that I loved that I didn't know worked with sculpture or sculptural materials. So that was really immersive. And, um, you know, I learned about being about this very physical work on a team um, at, at a Boston landmark. I felt very lucky. For those who aren't familiar with it, uh, can you explain just briefly what sculptural materials are involved in the Sargent murals? The murals are oil painted on canvas that's glued to the wall. And Sargent did something very experimental, which was he took all kinds of mostly architectural materials, made them into or adopted them as relief materials to apply to the surface. This room at the Boston Public Library has skylights, but it always had kind of challenging light issues. And he used these relief materials to give the surface some interest. 
and also to catch light. So there are low plaster reliefs that are gilded that reflect and change the light. There are um, of wall textured wallpaper sections of them that are applied to the surface. There are little pieces of glass. There's wood. I'm not remembering all of it right now, but it was very experimental, and you wouldn't even know it walking in and looking up because they're about they're 20 feet off the floor. And when you do look closely, as I got to, you know, he was just trying all kinds of stuff. He was really excited about this commission. It was the, like the work of his a really important work to him in his own career because he was controlling all of it, and unlike the portraiture that he did. So it was very personal. And so so knowing him through his kind of experiments and what he was trying to do because he had the room to do it was was very rich for me. I'm sure. That's amazing. I would have no idea that there was glass <laughs> in the mirror. Yeah, they're little jewels. I mean, they're depicting jewelry on um, this god, goddess figure. Oh, wow. We, um, and what was great about that project too is, of course, being part of the museum and an academic institution, we were able to put out a publication about our project. So part of conservation work is doing a lot of documentation and in our case, a lot of research too. So to put that out there and share it with people who can't even see it all when they're standing below it was great. Wow. So after that project wrapped up, were you done with your year? Well, we, we ended up doing another mural cycle at the Boston Public Library by Edward Austin Abbey. And in that case, too, there were some relief materials, but mostly I was doing, you know, cleaning paintings. And then I filled in for a colleague who took a leave for a year. And then the museum started kind of mobilizing to move its collections, taking an inventory and thinking about where and how to move art out of the building. So I got involved as a kind of project conservator um, for the move, as we called it then. <laughs> um, so that meant looking at everything everywhere to see what it needed to be safe and stable to move, how it would travel, what other kinds of plans we could make for it, helping kind of design storage space offsite where we were all moving to. Um, so that obviously grew and grew into this big building project. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm sure you had to kind of gain new skills and maybe become a bit of a manager at that time, right? Yeah, I know. I was thinking about that because um, one of your questions was, you know, a highlight kind of project. And I thought, you know, I loved being part of this building project and my, my training and experience certainly fed into how I was qualified for that job. But the great majority of it, I was learning as I went to learn about how, how buildings get designed and built. I was involved with anything art or art space or art path related for the building. But that meant, you know, learning how to read an architectural plan, learning the vocabulary of the, the process of building and the things that go into it, um, the people involved. So yeah, I had to figure out a lot of that. And, you know, it was, we were all well supported. It was new to everybody at the museum to do something on, on this scale. And so I was lucky to have that support from a very big um, and smart team. What happened to your role after the Harvard Art Museums, as we know it today, reopened? Well, it finally settled down. I mean, the, the building, my involvement with the building project was about 10 years of work, but we're able now to very much focus on our collections, putting the collections to work, being active in conservation and treatments and research, um, dissemination of our work and teaching. We're lucky that conservation is really established as part of the culture in our in our institution. And so we are involved 
with things like the building project from the start, but also with exhibitions from the start. So, you know, our department is part of initiating and collaborating closely for exhibitions, um, which I think is very exciting. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of your role in exhibitions? Do you work with our curators during the very early planning stages? Um, Do you become involved once they kind of, you know, have a list put together of the objects that they'd like in an exhibition? Is there a lot of back and forth? Is it collaborative? Yes to all of that. Uh, A lot of our curators do float their ideas by when they're in the conceptual phase of it, because often we add something to that or we ask some good questions. They might want to know if there are key things they want to include in the exhibition that need study or need conservation work. So we're lucky to be invited very early on and often contribute big portions of the content to the exhibition or maybe to the writing and the catalog and research. And other times it's just curators, you know, in other exhibitions, we get a list of things a curator is considering we look at all of them and say, no way to these, we don't have time for that, or these are interesting, this might make good research project, or we can definitely treat these, it would be great to look at these as a group with together with a curator. Right. Um, so it's, it really varies, but we're also involved in, you know, the design. If there's um, questions about light and exposure or how art is supported, maybe somebody wants to put something on the floor and it's, we feel like it's hazardous. Uh, we're often sort of saying no to, to new ideas because in, in the name of protecting artwork, but we, but we find ways and it, it works because we, we get involved in the conversation very early. Yeah. Before I worked at the Harvard Art Museums, I, I definitely was not aware of how deeply involved conservators have to be in not just special exhibitions, but any installation, everything that's in the galleries. I mean, I remember one of the first times I ever went to the Strauss, I think I was talking to Penley in the paper lab, and she was explaining that, you know, works on paper, all works on paper, but with, you know, particular consideration for delicate works can't be on view for more than a few months at a time often. And so we have to constantly rotate the galleries. And then in special exhibitions, sometimes there's something that can't be up for even the length of that special exhibition. And so it has to be swapped out. And this was really, it was really mind blowing to me in the beginning, but I know it's it's not just works on paper. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, we are an institution, as I say, where conservation is really integrated into planning everything. That's not always the case. Um, but yeah, yeah, it is works on paper. We learn th- new things all the time, like the light sensitivity of plastics, for example. Like we like to think that that's something that will live forever, but there are conditions that are really unfavorable to plastics on view. It might be light, it might be um, being in a closed case or an open case. So that's why, you know, we sort of know the questions to ask or we help people to learn to ask these questions as, as, as um exhibitions and loans are being planned. I know that's a significant part of your job, but you're also the assistant director of the Strauss Center. You also work on artwork yourself. So how on earth do you (laughs) balance all of these different aspects? That is a hard part of my job, I have to say. The balance. um, That brings us to the, what's the most challenging part of (laughs) 
I know. I thought that was a good question. My job has several components, and one of them is is administration, um, which you know is an important and impactful part of my job. And being trained as a conservator, I think I felt like my job is to work with my hands with artwork. And so if I'm not doing that, I'm failing in some way. And it was not until that recently that I I was able to say, no, this administrative administrative work is part of my job. You know, the planning is is really important. It impacts every artwork in our collection. You know, working on one work of art for months at a time, that's important too. But I can make decisions that impact how everything is stored or how everything is displayed or how the building runs. Or um, I do, I work on emergency planning. So like if we had something go wrong, I'm helping make a decision that impacts huge swaths of our, our collection. So those things are important. They're not as exciting and gratifying as some uh, you know, in painting or changing the way something looks, which I still love and long for, but it's it's less and less of my job. But I have a team. We we work together to make that happen. Do you have a favorite artwork in the collection of the Harvard Art Museums or a favorite artwork that you personally worked with? I do. They change over time, but for some years now, it's been the sculpture of Prince Shotoku, uh, which you know well too. Um, my work with this object and its contents spanned several years leading up to the exhibition from the summer of 2019. Um, it was really this rich and collaborative project where I got to study and research this sculpture closely to understand its making and history over its 700 plus year life. So because I really enjoyed every aspect of it, including of this project, including researching medieval Japanese sculpture, looking at comparable sculpture in this country and Japan, meeting a contemporary sculptor who works with traditional materials and techniques. So having been so close to it in so many different ways, the object is really alive to me. Um, I really feel close to it still. It taught me so much. Prince Shotoku is uh, often cited as the father of Buddhism in Japan, and uh, he performed many miracles in his life, and the sculpture portrays him at age two, about life-size, uh, performing his first miracle when he, he says a prayer and he opens his hand and he open, or he looks in his hands and produces the left eyeball of the Buddha. He's brought Buddhism to Japan and he's saying the first Buddhist prayer in that country. So it's this important moment, and there are many other sculptures like this in many places, but ours is really the finest known sculpture anywhere, uh, this finest version of it. And what's extra special about the sculpture is that he contained tens of dedicatory objects and papers and prayers inside of him. So it really represents this community coming together and putting personal devotional items inside this object. And we have all of that and we have it to study. And so that makes it stand out among many Prince Shotoku sculpture. So getting to know that was was very special. Would you say that that was your favorite exhibition at the museums over the last few years? Yes, personally, because of my involvement um, and my investment in it. But, you know, I loved Rothko. I thought that was, that was also too short. It was so exciting and coming from, it was really a statement because it was an exhibition that was rooted in the work of my department, not my own work, but I was very proud of it. And that was an opening show for the museum was a very big deal. Um, so I have several. That's what I'm thinking of right now. 
<laughs> two highlights. Yeah. So um, I guess one more thing, and then I think I can let you go. Um, what advice would you give someone looking to enter the conservation field? Like, um, I would say learn more about our field through reading about our work, reading our publications and research, and then at the same time, meeting and talking with conservators. What comes to the surface through the media or our publications tends to be the most interesting and sexy work that we make, whereas the daily work of conservators is, you know, it's pretty slow. It's very rewarding in its own small ways and different for everybody. People work really differently. So I think that talking and getting to know conservators is a really wise thing to do. You know, we're part of this academic institution and this and the museum and teaching and students, whereas there are other conservators in private practice, their life professionally is really, really different and exciting in its own ways. So it would be great to learn about the field, field very broadly through the people. That's great advice. Thank you so much. Thank you for talking to me about your fascinating job, which I know a bit about, but or knew a bit about and now know much more about. Yeah, I know you get to like, you get to learn all about people's people now this way. It's kind of cool. Thanks for listening to A Closer Look. Be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and sign up for our newsletter. See you next time.